This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 22nd, episode 2187, brought to you by Horselovers.com. Good morning, horse world. Guess what day it is, huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is? Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. That's right, it's hump day with your horses in the morning hosts, Jamie, that girl Jennings, and Glenn, the geeky pony guy. Wednesday, I On today's show, Jamie gives us a trainer tip answering a question from Auditor Chantal. Elle Welsh highlights a rescue. And Justine from Heels Down Happy Hour joins in to discuss different health trends and therapies for horses. So you don't want to miss any of it. It's going to be a packed show as always today, guys. And speaking of today, today is National Solitaire Day. So find yourself a pack of cards, some alone time, and shuffle away. Uh, <laughs> when's the last time you played solitaire? <laughs> I played it on the computer for a long time, but not with a pack of cards. Yeah, I play it <laughs> sometimes when I'm flying on the computer. Sometimes, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. And Sorry, there's like 85 different <laughs> kinds of solitaire now, so you can take your pick. We'll pick one. Off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> um, okay, not much left to say except that Glenn's starting off with an update on a Canadian writer. Take it away, Glenn. Thank you very much, Jemmy. So we want to give our best to Eric Lamaze, who came out yesterday. Apparently he's been dealing with a brain tumor for a long time. Eric is a, mm. a Canadian Olympian. We have a lot of Canadians listen to the show, so... Uh, of course, I don't know if if you've had your head in the ground, you don't know who he is, but everybody else should. Uh, he's been around for a long time. He's the most successful show jumping competitor in Canadian history. Uh, and he kind of disappeared for about six months. And there was lots of speculation that he was having health problems or what was going on. Apparently, he was getting treatment. Uh, and he's still dealing with it. Uh, he said he plans to keep riding as long as his body allows. After taking six months off, get this. Okay, so you have a brain tumor. You let go- me let me just remind everybody that Eric Lamaze was the pilot of the great show jumper Hickstead. Just like one. And of how my long ago was that? Horses. I mean, a long time. He's fifty some. I fifty one. I think. Yeah, but Hickstead was only in like I think twenty uh, years ago. 2010? Oh, was, was it that recent? 11 okay. when he Why died. Why does Hickstead seem a long time ago? <laughs> yeah, know. Hickstead had a, remember the heart, con- oh, heart attack over right. the show jump and died, and that was in 2011. Okay. Oh, breaking the heart. Well, Just... get this. So so you have a brain tumor, and you go get treatments, which aren't easy, and all of that isn't easy, right? Oh, so man. he takes six months off, and he returns to the rings to competition in March this year at the Winter Equestrian Festival and the Global Champions Tour in Miami. Uh, where he placed third in the Pearl Stakes, and then most recently rode uh, several of his horses, uh, placing uh, eighth place on the Canadian team at Nations Cup. So, uh, 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 <laughs> just... what co- 
kind of superhero powers know. do these people know. have? I, I mean, know. that's a brain tumor. Like that is something that people hear the news and they're like, oh, we've got to live. Like we're we had to travel. We got to go places. You know what? I'm going to take six months off, get some chemo, and I'm going to get back on. Get back on and travel the world and, doing Nations Cup. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Miami, England, France. He's been everywhere. He, what, he is a absolute Superman. He, he, he apparently didn't tell anybody for a while. And like nobody, because he said he didn't know how to tell his friends and family. So he didn't want them to worry. That's the kind of guy he is. So oh he didn't God. tell anybody. Um, and went and just dealt with it himself, apparently. So, uh, well, good for him. He's back in the saddle and doing his thing, and, and we wish <sighs> him the best and, and a, a long, healthy life, and they knock this thing out. All right, Daily Winnie time. I have one Daily Winnie. And that's to Auditor Claire Asan. How do you say that? A-A-S-E-N. A-A-S-E-N. I don't know how you say that, actually. So, Claire, happy birthday to you. A-S-S-E-N is Asan. Yeah, I guess it would be. I don't know how you'd say it. So, Happy birthday, Claire. All right, so my daily when he goes out to people that live in Oklahoma because oh you're crazy. Ugh. I, what a stupid place to live. Good <laughs> God. So Monday is they cancel school on Sunday night because of potential for uh, tornadoes. And it is the, do you remember after nine 11 when like nobody left their house and everybody just watched TV and everybody was like super nice to each other and everything like that. And it, it was just like this sense of community, but yet everybody was glued to the news on the TV. Uh-huh. That is what it was like here. Monday. Nobody drove by my, like we, I live on a, on a road where people cruise by all the time. No, nobody drove by. I didn't see one car go by. Everybody was just inside watching the news, which, by the way, is super stressful. Hey, a tornado touched over here. Oh, there's a tornado. They're getting 10 inches of rain up here. There's flooding. There's this. I was a mess. And I just realized, well, people do this several times a year on these days where they're expecting weather. And it was horrible. And I hated every second of it. Oklahoma people, you tough. And you crazy. Well, and I, we, I, I was posting, I uh, was watching a video. By the way, there are helicopters flying, watching the tornadoes off in the distance. Does it, how does a helicopter fly in those storms, first of all? Um, Apparently the tornado, like that rotation is very localized. It must so. be, or they have really long lenses. I don't know. But um, I don't want to be in the helicopter in the middle of the thunderstorm. Thank you very much. But yeah, <laughs> we were all watching. We were all thinking about you. And, and fortunately for you, uh, not fortunately for the people that live there, but they, a lot of them went north, it looked like, of you. Yeah, it did. You got it overnight, though, right? Oh my God. It rained and rained and rained and rained and rained. We got, so I think they said the month of April, uh, gave us the entire, usually you get like, say 36 inches of rain a year. Well, we're already at like 65 (laughs) after this storm that's and, and for the year. So apparently it's just way wetter than normal. Um, and it sucks. Cause you moved there. <laughs> it's all oh, your yeah. fault. No, 
Uh, it's it's crazy how many times I've heard, man, this I, I this never happens. This never happens. There's never this much rain in the winter. There's never this much snow. It never happens where we have like tornado scares in December. That never happened. You know what? BS on this never happens crap. Don't tell me it never happens. I've heard that too many times to believe it. You know what? If you're saying that, it means it always happens. Okay? I'm hey, over it. They just came out with, uh, you'll love this. The U.S. News and World's reports come out every year with the state rankings based on crime and health care and economy and all of that. So where do you think Oklahoma falls? Well, I just can't see that there's that much crime when everybody has to run away and hide in a freaking <laughs> dumpster in the ground. Um, Did you have to do that, days. by the way? Everybody wants to know. Did you have to do the dumpster so, in the ground? No, uh, all day, like we cleaned it. <laughs> My gosh, Lucas and I cleaned it like crazy because it does not matter. There were spiders in it. it. Just, it doesn't matter how you clean what, it. You so, don't want to be we, down there with the spiders but during the storm? White vinegar, the walls, <laughs> and everything was completely clean. Then we put chairs down there and some, not that it would be cold, but some blankets and cushions. I put some dog beds down there. <laughs> I mean, again, it is the size of a, like a large dumpster. So it's not like tons of room to spread out. But, um, we did all of that, and then I guess at about 3.30 in the morning, the sirens went off, which that means there's a tornado in your area. And, of course, you know, I didn't, I didn't wake up to the – the Chad had gotten home at, like, 2 in the morning, so he had woken up. He heard the sirens, and he went out and turned the TV on, and it was a couple miles north because they literally track everything. There are people whose job it is to track they're called trackers. And on the news, yep. they're like, we've got a tracker and over they here. Drive tracker around. Over here. <laughs> and they have satellites and they drive around the cameras. There. It's insane. We saw a tracker drive by us one day. We're like, oh my God. That's the one you it's don't like, want to see drive by. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Don't Him and follow Jim, that. That and Jim Cantori. You definitely don't want to see Jim Cantori in your neighborhood. No. No. <laughs> no, definitely not. So it was crazy, you know, but we ended up not going in it because it was. 3.30 in the morning, and I guess it was a couple miles north, so we were okay. But Well, Oklahoma uh, on, the, on the 50 states ranks number 43. Stop it. Are you serious? So As there are seven the states worse than you. Uh, <laughs> seven? <laughs> yep. I thought there was less. Again, nobody from the Oklahoma Board of Tourism has called the sponsor this No, show. no, no. It, uh, to give you an idea of who's worse than you, okay? You oh, want you, <laughs> Alaska? Arkansas, New Mexico, West Virginia, Mississippi, Alabama, and Jemmy, any guess on what state's number 50? Florida. No, I was surprised. Florida did pretty well on this one. No, your, your, your old <laughs> state, me, I'm guessing Florida. <laughs> Louisiana uh, was number 50 on the ranking of the worst states. Uh, by the way, number one, any guess on who number one is? And then we'll get to your training tip. Probably Arizona. God. No, no, Arizona was in the middle. You'll be happy to know. Uh, no, Jemmy, any guess? Best state overall? Best state overall, uh, I'd say maybe. We have a lot of Colorado? listeners there, too. Good guess. Number 10. We have a lot of listeners there, too. Um. Oh, God. Wisconsin. I don't know. No, Washington That's State. New Hampshire. New Hampshire's number two. Guess. New Hampshire's. I was going to guess New Hampshire, Washington State. Yeah. I out and guess Colorado. <laughs> yeah, the top, uh, the top five were Washington, New Hampshire, Minnesota. We have a lot of listeners there. Utah and Vermont. Um, Florida came in number 13. It's sad that we beat Oklahoma. 
That's really sad after all the Florida stories that are Lucky out there. Number 13. Yep, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. We have a listener uh, that asked a training question, and do you have an answer? I did. You know what? I, I, I would have just PM'd her or DM'd her uh, the answer to this, but several people underneath her question commented with the same problem. Um, and this is something that is super common and everybody deals with it and it's really, really easy to fix. Uh, here's her message. Jamie, I have a training question and this is from Chantel. Rosie, the pony bolts off the trailer, off the trailer. I've got a two horse straight load. And when I go to unload her, I've got to stand behind the door when I open it up because she exits so quickly. That's a terrible place to stand <laughs> behind her when she bolts off. No, don't do that. I'm afraid is she's she bolting gonna... backwards. I'm assuming is. Yeah. yeah okay. It's just like, I have to stand behind her because she's bolting backwards. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> I'm afraid she's going to injure herself, me or take off someday. If this continues, she loads like a champ. It's just the unloading that makes me nervous. Okay, let's break this down. She loads like a champ. Fantastic. That makes things a lot easier. But even if she didn't, we would do the exact same thing. So we've got to get kind of control of her feet. So on the ground, just as an exercise, put, put a pole on the ground, just a pole, and lead her up to the pole and get her to step over the pole or whatever, a string or something on the ground, get her to step over with one foot, step over with one foot and then back her up one, get that foot back over the pole, then two feet you know, do that, do that five or six times, two feet over the pole and then back her up. Um, then you want to get three feet over the pole and back her up and back out of it. And then four and then back up over it. So sometimes a, a Rosie, the pony is pretty small. So a pole might be a little too tall. So figure out something, even if it's just like a lunge line, you stretch across the ground to get her to step over it. Um, then we're going to take that over to the trailer. Since she loads great, this is super easy. Take her over the trailer and lead her up and put one foot on the trailer and then one foot off. And then one foot on, one foot off, one foot on, one foot off, hit hokey pokey. You know, you put your right foot in, you put your right foot out. Sing, I sing, the, <laughs> I honestly sing the hokey pokey when they teach this. Here's the thing. The reason they do that is not for any other reason than they haven't been taught how to unload. So many times people focus on teaching the horse to load, but they don't teach them to unload. So it's a, super common Right foot in, right foot out, left foot in, left foot out, whatever you're going to do with the hokey pokey, whatever side you're on. And then you're going to put your two feet in, you put your two feet out, you put your two feet in, you shake it out, don't shake it. Um, And then three feet on and three feet off and literally do this a hundred times. Just repeat it, repeat, repeat, repeat. Well, that's the exact same thing you do when you teach the loading. You're right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because you just have to teach them to load and unload one foot on, one foot off. Two feet on, two feet off, three feet on. And that's it. That's the tricky one is, but you'll be so proud of yourself when you get three feet on the trailer. You'll be like, oh my God. So and then back them off. And then you get four feet on and you back them off. Four feet on, back them off. Four feet on, back them off. And so a, a pretty stressful, what I have noticed, a pretty stressful part of backing off is backing off into that unknown. So you're teaching them that 
they know where it is. They know what it is. But something you can do to help is kind of back it up to a hill or something like my arena is about six inches higher. So when I back my trailer and I'm teaching them to load, it's only about four inches lower than the actual step of the trailer. So that's kind of where I start this process. And then I'll move it a little further away from the trailer. So then they actually have a step up that they would see in real life when they travel. So that's the easy, easiest answer to this is on, off, on, off, one foot on, one foot off, two feet on, two feet off, three feet on, three feet off, four feet on, four feet off and back it up and just figure out ways to do it on the ground before you even go up to the trailer. Can you lead her and get one foot over a lunge line on the ground or even like draw a line in the sand with your boot heel and work on that leading forward and backwards? So, and then let me know the results. Let me know how it goes. I've been getting a lot of cool messages about people teaching their horses the mounting block, uh, how to come to the mounting block and stand still when mounting. And so it's really cool. I'm, I love seeing the updates. So please, Chantel, and all of you guys that were posting that you're having trouble like this with your horse, please post it and let me know how it's going. I want to see it. I want to know how how it's working. And if you have any following uh, follow-up questions, you can message me on Facebook or you can message me at jamie at horseradionetwork.com. And I hope that helps. We used to have a scooter would want to turn around. He, he didn't like backing off at all. We have a ramp, and he just didn't want to do it. So he would try and turn around and then try and get stuck and, you know, all of that. Turning around to me is not fun. Uh, I I don't I don't like it. I, I Well, no, I mean, we, we didn't either. They panic when they make exactly. that turnaround, and, and they then get they stuck. run over you. Yeah, exactly. Or they and get then, stuck. And then he would always, no matter what, he would take a flying leap off the trailer. Oh, yeah. So he didn't yeah. want to touch the ramp. It was just this big jump. Uh, yeah. and when we got the new trailer with the ramp in the front, that all went away. Really? He yeah. walks right off and it's just fine. Well, so. it's just one of those things that they have to learn. You know, you might not, not that this is a going to happen with you, but you may not own your horse for its entire life. Right. So you owe it the opportunity to have an education because the next person might not have a front unloading ramp. So I would suggest you try this with Scooter, you know, teach him to back off. He's not going to forever have a front line. Uh, if you go somewhere with your friends, you might throw him in your trailer. You want to be comfortable doing that. So Glenn homework, you have homework too. <laughs> teach that pony right, hokey pokey at the back of the trailer. <laughs> He would love that. Put a puddle there, and he'll roll in it on the way out. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a, a list for today because it is Wednesday. It's Wednesday list day. You brought it this time. I did, and <clears throat> this is six things. Six things, although I'm pretty sure we could add to it. Six things not to say to your riding instructor. <laughs> Here, let me, let me, you guys Only are all- six? It's that's what I'm saying. We, I'm sure we could add to it. Uh, and this, th you could also parallel this with some of these with veterinarian, uh, farrier, friends, parents, coworkers, <laughs> any, anything you can think of, you can pretty much channel this to, to, to another aspect of your life. Things not to post on Facebook, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but please do. Cause I really like reading them. Uh, so things and six things not to say to your instructor. And um, I, some of these I, I've heard and some I haven't, but I've spent a lot of time being a riding instructor. And number one, um, 
I watched some videos online and I think <laughs> we're doing it wrong last time. Like not I was doing it wrong. We were doing it wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> because I watched a video online, clearly that here's the thing. When you have a moment in your writing lesson where you're having an issue, your your trainer has to be able to come up with different ways to 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 get the end result to be the same. Some things work for some horses. Some things don't work for other horses. I'm telling you guys something that you already know. Uh, number two. Wait a minute. Before you go on from that one, that's every doctor's and veterinarian's nightmare, <laughs> right? The internet. Uh, Dr. Google. Oh, yeah. I asked my family doctor last time I had a checkup. I said, how often do you hear internet in a day with your patients? And she said 70% of them have something they learned on the internet. Oh, wow. And she said, yeah. it's it's all day, just constant, you know, dealing with. And she said, most of the time, it's just, you know, one symptom matched. <laughs> so they have it. Uh, yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, that yeah, must be frustrating. <laughs> it's got to be. Um, they, they did say, well, your instructor would doubtless be delighted that you're doing some research. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Depending I'm on sure. this. You know, George would not be delighted. No. <laughs> so, no, um, George, I was reading the Eric Lamaze does it. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> uh, number two, uh, things not to say to your riding instructor. Um, my friend says I should be jumping like way higher, like five feet or <laughs> my friend says I should be riding like third level or my friend says I should be changing my bit. Um, the response to this is your instructor is understandably likely to tell you to go and have lessons with your friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is the biggest problem Jennifer had. She lost more students when she said, look, you, you're not moving up. And they wanted to move up, and she said, I'm not under my watch, and they would leave. Go find an instructor yeah. that would let them move up, but they weren't ready. Now, that was before the days, especially in eventing, when dangerous riding and all of that came into being. Mm -hmm. so, you could fall off and get back on. Yeah, right you could fall off, get back on. So, you know, they would just find an instructor and would go, okay, go ahead. You know, I'll take yeah. your money. And they would go get hurt and, you know, just... You know, one of the things I've been dealing with uh, one of the horses I sold, I won't mention any names, is the new trainer of said horse decided that said horse needed a completely different bridle and bit. Fortunately for my client, she sells them. So it was going to work out great. Uh, and a new saddle, of course, which they did. They did need a new saddle, but um, they put this new bridle It's a new special kind of bridle and a special kind of bit on said horse and said horse was not happy about it. And the trainer rode the horse and they went to watch how this new bridle and bit was working. And all they said was he looked really mad. <laughs> <laughs> so they said, can you please send us the new, uh, his old bit and everything like that. So I sent everything and they're back to normal. Everything's fine. The horse <laughs> is going along fine. <clears throat> Um, number three, can my mom slash friend slash sister slash entire family watch the lesson? Well, yes, of course they can. As long as they're quiet, stay still and don't try to teach. Did I ever tell you about the Belgian girl I taught lessons to? I taught no. a lot of students that were military family. And this one girl 
God, love her. I just could not get through to her. Now, English was her second language. She was Bel- from Belgium and uh, spoke French. And, and so it was so frustrating because I'd be like, loosen your reins. Like, why are you pulling on his face? Loosen, lo- loosen, let, let go of the face. Let go of the face. Like, loosen, loosen. And in French, some things are like backwards. So. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> It's not backwards in French. It's the same damn thing. But what her mama was telling her uh, in French at the side of the arena was tighten your reins, shorten your reins, get them tighter, tighter. You're, you've got too much. So, and so basically I'm yelling one thing and her mom's yelling another thing. And the poor child's head probably wanted to explode. No wonder she cried all the time in all the lessons. I never understood why she cried all the time. And it's because her mom was standing at the freaking edge of the arena screaming. So guess what I did? Hey, um, see that fence line back there? That's where parents watch from now on. And they were about, uh, about 75 feet away. And they, so, and all of a sudden little girl got better and she quit crying all the time in the lesson. So you've got to be, and it was just in another language. I had no idea. I don't speak French. And I, I finally was like, you, I, I, I finally, how it broke was I walked up to the mom and I said, can you please, Tell me how to say loosen your reins because she's holding her reins too tight. Oh, that is what I have been telling her to do. I have been telling her, please tighten your reins. You have to have a shorter reins. Why are you telling her anything? (laughs) Why do you pay me? Sorry. That was like three years ago. Tell us how you feel. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Number four. Not sure I got the gist of it. (laughs) Number four is... I'm only five minutes late. Okay. I understand. <laughs> Tardy is going to happen. Okay. And I'm, I've always been fairly forgiving of it. You know, if you're it, sometimes yeah, but late it's the and, same people every time I had finally had two girls that were always late. They were always like five, 10 minutes late. And I always let her lessons go wrong, uh, run long. And one time they were 40 minutes late. They finally, and they just show up like walking down the driveway. And I was like, Hi. You're 40 minutes late. It takes you 20 minutes to tack up. That's your lesson. Put the check in the box. But we get to, I'm like, maybe this will be the life lesson that you need to show up on time. And by God, they weren't late again. That's I what Jennifer didn't. did. She said, when you show up and get tacked up, if you're half an hour in, you get a half an hour lesson paying for the whole hour. I mean, yeah, I was way nicer than yeah. that. Um, I mean, because it got ridiculous. And it, it is the same people every time. Yeah. You know, you're you'll have the ones that show up an hour early too. You got those two uh, that show which is up just, also annoying. Yeah, yeah they just hang house. out. Yeah, they just because they want to talk. You know. Uh, yeah, while uh, you're doing stuff. Exactly. <laughs> um, number five is my horse doesn't like doing that. Uh, be it jumping, lateral work, pull work, whatever. Um, and then th- their response is really, "Are you sure?" Did he write you a letter? Uh, your <laughs> instructor is going to spot the member of the partnership with the problem. And usually it's you. <laughs> <laughs> so true. And number six is when you just have one of those days like, I suck at this. Yes, they said. We all have days when taking up knitting looks like a much more alluring alternative. <laughs> Are you kidding? Jamie and I get off the show some days and go, wow, we suck at this. So, <laughs> how does he? People ask me, how's that podcast going? How's your job? And I'm like, 
they're still paying me. So <laughs> we're still here. Okay. People are still listening. We still had a record month last month. So, you know, I guess. Anyway, so welcome new listeners. Be positive. Yes. Thank you guys for joining us. And uh, let's play. Our, let's let's talk a little bit about horselovers.com. Oh, I was just on there. And you know how they always have brands that are on sale. Well, today... Today only, you're going to want to go on there over at horseloverswithaz.com because they have Noble Outfitters products on sale. And they have 110 of them uh, from socks to boots to shirts to gloves. You know, Noble Outfitters makes uh, almost everything. They have the Noble Outfitters backpack. And a lot of these things I'm looking at here are 46% off. Um, they have, uh, 38% off, 60% off. So they have them really, really marked down. The long sleeve crew shirts that they, that are become so popular from Noble Outfitters are marked down to $15 that are regularly $39. Um, the socks are, are marked down. You just want to go over to horselovers.com every day because every day the specials change. And every day, uh, there is something different. So Noble Outfitters is what it is today. Tomorrow it'll be something different. So you kind of have to you kind of have to look every day. Um, August, you know, the other thing they had that was kind of cute that I didn't even know existed is our, you know, Fergus, of course. Uh, the uh, we've talked about Fergus a lot on the show. The cartoon horse. Uh, they actually have signs now for Fergus, and they're on sale too, on the flash um, sale right now. I'm gonna tell you a secret you, you should sign you. up for their emails because all this time i thought you were going to mention the fact that they have a 36 hour preferred customer flash sale and i'm sure oh I'm, i didn't i didn't uh, see it oh yeah no you have to, it's an email i got an email this morning 36 hour preferred flash sale 10 dollar lead ropes are 45 cents uh, leather halters from 80 down to 20. Um, oh, wow. I'm, it's scrolling right now. The poly mesh fly sheets that I bought for my horses, they're back to $20. Oh, 59 cents on the lead rope. And Ashley Clarino knee patch breeches, $2. Two <laughs> freaking dollars. Who sells things for $2 or 52 cents or something? Anyway, sign up. It's horseloverswithaz.com. And and to sign up, it's at the bottom of the homepage, actually. They're oh, if you right go there. to click off of it, they'll say, where are you going? Send your, put your oh, email yeah. here. And you then get that boom, a lot on that. It. Yeah. So horseloverswithaz.com. All right. Your guest is ready. Fantastic. Well, we... I, I, I'm trying to highlight a rescue every month because we've been very successful with getting horses adopted out on our retired racehorse radio show. And I think that this is um, an organization that would fit on either show. And it is friendsofferdinand.com. And we have Ellie Welch to talk to us about Friends of Ferdinand. Hi, Ellie. Hey, how's it going? Fantastic. Thank you for finding me and messaging me and telling me, you know, I, I did have a lot of people suggest Friends of Ferdinand as a rescue to highlight. And we only highlight the good, the best, and you guys are one of those. But let's start by just telling everybody why Ferdinand. Who's Ferdinand? So Ferdinand was a racehorse that, um, you know, went and won the Kentucky Derby, and he had a really awful fate. Um, he ended up in uh, out of the United States where he was, you know, 
slaughtered and like, you know, such a successful racehorse, you would think that he wouldn't have um, ended up in that situation. Um, but he did. And so we created Friends of Ferdinand to kind of create a pipeline for horses to go somewhere where they can, you know, rehab and retrain and get education so that they can be useful in a second career and then have long-term homes. Um, what makes us different is that we will take the horses back at any time. Um, so then they always have a soft place to land. So then hopefully horses don't end up like for Ferdinand, which is obviously the goal for any organization with horses. So, yeah. So, um, he just had a really uncertain fate. So we're trying to create an organization that helps, helps the cause to eliminate that. In his honor. Yeah. So, I mean, Ferdinand, like you said, 1986 Kentucky Derby winner and went to stud here in the U.S., but didn't have a great stud career. It was sold overseas. And I don't even know, how did they find out that Ferdinand, the Kentucky Derby winner, went to slaughter in the 80s? How did they even find that out? I believe so. He was sold to Japan, I believe. And then like they couldn't. So whoever sold him to um, overseas, just they like couldn't find track of him. And there was all this controversy of like what happened to him because they just wouldn't, you know, they never could answer the people. It's like what happened to him and where he went. And so then it was it eventually came out that he did go to slaughter after, you know, that his connections were trying to check on him and everything eventually. And then he just kind of fell into this uncertain state and yeah so then he went there and it was obviously everybody was really disappointed and um yeah so oh it was heartbreaking heartbreaking I mean a lot of people super upset and you know and it's obviously super upsetting you know a horse that was so successful could end up like that you know and you look at the horses that aren't successful then obviously their fates are even more uncertain if that can happen to a horse of that caliber um so. And 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 then the the founder founder story of Friends of Ferdinand because you guys have been around for a long time. I I just feel like Friends of Ferdinand was kind of there before almost anybody else was. And you guys had uh, two guys named both named Jim, and they were betters, yeah. and they were at Hoosier Park in Indiana, and. When they learned the fate of unsuccessful racehorses, they decided to establish like a this nonprofit, Friends of Ferdinand, and talk talk a little bit if you if you want to about the how the sales, how they influenced the sales in two thousand five. So the two gyms, um, they were not horse people um they saw what happened to ferdinand and they were like oh my god i really want to help um so they went to the sale and they bought a bunch of horses at the hoosier horse park sale they don't have that anymore but um back when they did in 2005 um so they went and bought all of these horses and our current president sarah Busbus was there volunteering for canner at the time and she you know, went up to the two gyms at the end of the sale and was like, okay, well, you know, you bought these horses and they have to leave today. And they were like, what? (laughs) Um, You know, they have to leave and we have to have somewhere for them to go. And um, so then, you know, Sarah really orchestrated 
um, helping them build the organization into what it is today. Um, so then they got all placed in foster homes and then kind of started their retraining and got trainers on board to help educate the horses and get them adopted out and stuff like that. So, you know, they went and they made a big impact all at once by buying a bunch of horses um, and then kind of formed the organization from there. So it was a little unconventional in how it was brought about, but um, Sarah's really led the charge and, you know, now we're TAA accredited um, and, you know, we have a very, you know, we have a organization that was built off of that. And now we can, we're more equipped to deal with more horses and everything like that. As I well. just love so. it because it's like, these guys are like, we're going to fix everything. We'll buy them all. And so yep. they buy all the horses. <laughs> they're that like, wanted. we're going to do something. Yeah. And then they're like, <laughs> exactly. now what? <laughs> now yeah. what? So, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so it was pretty great. They're pretty great humans, you know, and, um, so they just want, they wanted to make an impact and they wanted to make sure that Ferdinand was remembered in a positive way that it, you know, that his death means something and they made it, you know, and it made a difference. So, yeah. So it was really awesome, like that they were really trying to help. And then, you know, they were lucky enough to find Sarah and kind of build the organization from there. So, so, so you guys take the horses um off the track people will retire them to you guys and then y'all do you do some retraining and how and the adoption how does that work if people are interested so we get the horses off the track um they're donated from different trainers we have a training facility in dayton ohio and then we also have one outside of indianapolis indiana so the horses come in and they get vetted um by our we we have two vets that are on our team and then we do start them in retraining and um so we have at our training facility in Dayton we're English-based um our head trainer Lori Miller is an eventer and then I obviously work here as well and then um and then so they're mainly English-based they kind of tell us what they want to do so if they want to you know, do the hunters or the jumpers or event, or we kind of just let them tell us, but we try to give them some basics, you know, walk, trot, canter, learn about some contact, move off your leg, all that good stuff. They usually go off property on some trail rides, cross country schooling to little horse shows and stuff. And then um, at our Western facility outside of Indianapolis, they, um, you know, take them on trail rides, they learn how to work cows, they do that kind of stuff and get them more prepared for a Western discipline. Uh, we do have quite a few rehabs that are um, flat only careers so that the Western disciplines, it's awesome for them to learn all of that before they get adopted. So then we have adopters put in an adoption application at friendsofferdinand.com and then we check references and they can come out and test ride the horse. As many, you know, some people come out two or three times just to be sure, you know, make sure it's a good fit. And that's obviously our primary goal is to make sure that the horse is getting a long-term home. So we definitely facilitate that. And then they get a 30-day trial when they take the horse home. And then they sign an adoption contract and it's hopefully a happy ending. And then if something does ever happen where life circumstances change or um, new job, new family, you know, stuff like that, then the horses can always come back to us if they need to as well. Is there one in particular that sticks out to you that's really special you would like to highlight on here? I know I'm kind of putting you uh, um, on the spot. <laughs> that's all right. We have a five-year-old gelding in right now that I am absolutely smitten with. His name's Newtown Jazz. It's a five-year-old plain bay gelding, and that horse is so brave. 
um, he came in and he was a little nervous and a little anxious and he really liked, you know, he didn't really like to be by himself. He really liked having friends and that kind of just clouded his mind like a lot of horses. They tend to be a little herd bound. Um, and he's totally worked through that and he's just really come out of his shell this spring and we put him to work and he loves to work. He comes out every day with such a great attitude and, um, we took him on his first cross country school and he was just like front of the pack walking in front of everybody we jumped you know some beginner and novice fences and he's like I got it like it's fine just hang on like we got it it's cool and the horse just has such a positive attitude he's gonna make such a great eventer or um he could even go fox hunt or whatever for for somebody and I just think that horse is I love him he just has that and that brain and the positive attitude that everybody wants. He is also RRP eligible and he's further along than my RRP horse. So I'll trade. <laughs> I'll give mine. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's fantastic. Newtown New Jazz. Yeah. I was yeah, just looking at pictures too. And I was looking at, I don't even know how to say it. Is it at a girl Susie? Oh, yeah. That's a good looking, that's a good looking mare right there. She is a cool mare. She has a really great brain as well. She's super quiet. Um, she did have surgery on her sesamoid coming off the track. And she was actually like a really great case, though, because the trainer contacted us and said, hey, this happened. And we got her into surgery, donated into the program and into surgery within three days of the race where she um, broke her sesamoid. So she made a full recovery and she's cleared for all disciplines. And awesome. that horse just is so quiet and is so... She loves to be loved on and loves to be groomed. You could stand there and groom her for three hours and she'd be like, this is heaven. So she, <laughs> yeah, she really thrives on attention and just, yeah. And she, um, she jumps and has been started and everything. So she's also ready to find her person. So Fantastic. any mare lovers out there would definitely like her. A mare that likes you to groom her. Yeah. That like. <laughs> likes you to do yeah. anything. It's, like... <laughs> it's friendsofferdinand.com is where you can see all of these. And Ellie, I am so grateful for you for coming on and highlighting such a fantastic rescue. It's such a great story and a way to honor Ferdinand. You know, his death did not go unnoticed and it was not in vain. And now he's probably because of him, you guys have saved a ton of horses. So congratulations. And thank you for doing what you do. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate you taking the time to highlight them because, you know, they all deserve great homes and we're happy we can help the ones that we are able to. So thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, All right. Thanks, Ellie. Friends of Ferdinand.com. Yep. And you can. Oops. Uh, also, they're on. I'm sure she was going to say on Facebook. You search OTTB Friends of Ferdinand, um, and that's where you can find it. Very good. Well, it is Wednesday, so how about we go next to a health tip? And this, we actually had a listener a while back asked what. Uh, what do we need to do about vaccines in spring? I know a couple of weeks ago we talked about one particular vaccine. Oh, my God. I just ordered all my tetanus shots. <laughs> like, <laughs> so we talked about I tetanus, uh, but, but we haven't talked. Uh, and Dr. Waldridge did a segment with us, uh, I don't know, last year on this. So we thought we'd bring it back. He's so good at explaining this. So this is what he had to say about vaccines. And Dr. Waldridge has opinions. So uh, let's... Uh, Let's see what he had to say. We're coming back then also with uh, Justine from Heels Down. Going to talk a little bit more about horse health and therapies. So all of that coming up yet on today's show.
And I'm so happy to welcome back to the show Dr. Brian Waldridge, known by known to most of the horse world as Dr. B of Dr. B's Bluegrass, who has a fantastic Facebook book page that highlights in beautiful living color all the wonderful things that are to be seen in Lexington, Kentucky. And he's a veterinarian, too. So welcome back to the show, Dr. B. Oh, thank you. It's always just uh, the biggest pleasure to be able to be invited, so thank you for asking me. Are you a Kentucky native, Dr. B? I am. I actually grew up in Bardstown, Kentucky, and that's where, when you listen to my old Kentucky home, there that's an old plantation house about a, oh, about two miles from where I grew up. So I, I grew up in the town where my old Kentucky home is. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that cool? Oh, it is, and it's it's um, probably more bourbon made there than anywhere else in the world too. So um, there's there's lots of very cool Kentucky things there, and about sixty miles west of Louisville, or sorry, sixty miles west of Lexington, forty miles south of Louisville. So kind of right in the middle of the state, right in the middle of the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful states in the country, if I may say so. Well, thank you. I, I'm I'm very prejudiced about it, but I'm also would have to agree. <laughs> There we go. Well, we're going to talk about a veterinary topic today, since you are Dr. B. And this comes around with amazing regularity. We have to give our horses their vaccinations. And I don't know about anybody else, but at the beginning of the year is when I think about it, because I have to kind of schedule things out. And, okay, I'm going to go here or there at a certain time during the year, and I need to make need to make sure vaccines happen on the right kind of a schedule. And the ones that we're going to talk about today are called core vaccine. So tell me what a core vaccine and why they're considered core. So core vaccine, the the way that I describe that to everybody is those are the vaccines that are recommended for every horse in every situation here in the United States. So the the core, if you think about that, that's their essential vaccine. And that's where vaccination starts. And then from there, you, you branch out to what's an at-risk disease in your, in your area. So with the core vaccines, there's five of them. The first one's tetanus, which everybody knows that one. And then our sleeping sicknesses. And depending on which side of the Mississippi River you're on, we have eastern equine encephalomyelitis here in the eastern part of the United States and western equine encephalomyelitis on um, western states, west of the Mississippi River, which is a mosquito-borne vaccine. And then with West Nile being now pretty much in every state in the continental United States, West Nile, another mosquito-borne vaccine, uh, is in there. So that's that's our, our five, unless I forgot one, tetanus. EEE and WEE for those Western or Eastern equinocephalomyelitis, West Nile, and rabies. See, I never realized that the Eastern and Western had to do with the geography of the United States. I always thought it was a strain from some exotic country somewhere that got brought in accidentally 15 generations ago, and I didn't know that. Really? Yeah, so California is kind of an exotic location to me, but, uh, <laughs> but, but it is. So, uh, and, and there are big differences in um, in the diseases themselves. EEE, the eastern, is almost uniformly fatal, and, and very few horses have survived. And, and the horses that have survived it tend to have uh, permanent neurologic issues where the 
Western form has a lower mortality rate, and so it ten, tends to be milder. So the both uh, in geography and uh, the clinical si- clinical signs are the same, but the survivability of the two diseases is is uh, significantly different. So when somebody says, "Okay," I, they call their vet up and they say, "I need to get core vaccines for my horse," or they go and purchase them to do the vaccines themselves. You frequently see eastern and ceph- eastern and western encephalomyelitis together in the same vaccine, and th- and that's okay to do even though you're in Mississippi and you're never going to leave Mississippi or you're in New York State and you're never going to leave, ne- leave New York State. It's just fine to have your horse vaccinated against both. Yes, yes, and it's recommended as part of the core because you know w- one thing that we we found in one of the um, other many benefits of global warming is mosquitoes go everywhere and carry things everywhere. You know, West Nile wasn't in this country until what the, the 1990s. And so because of the mosquitoes are, are found in more parts of the country than maybe where they weren't there before and they persist longer, you, you can't uh, be assured that you're not going to have Western crossover or Eastern crossover or, um, so when West Nile came, it's believed that mosquitoes on a ship from somewhere or what brought brought that into the country. Well, that's the, I guess that's the tricky part with uh, as much travel as there is, both human and products moving across the country, horses moving across the country, insects that can carry these diseases can get trapped literally anywhere. And before you know it, you've got a disease that has only occurred on one coast across the country on another. So that, that kind of makes sense. So that makes sense. So when you, when the AAEP created guidelines for core vaccines, did, what are some of the things they took into consideration? Is it whether or not a human can get it, whether or not it's fatal to the horse, whether or not it's got an effective vaccine available? How do they make those decisions? Well, the biggest one is what, what would hit, all horses in all situations. So, ah, with, universal uh, with, uh, universality. Okay. Yeah. So that's the. I think I tell people it's the building block. This is every vaccine program starts with these cores, core vac, the five core, and then you branch out from there to decide what other vaccines you may need to use, depending on what part of your country, what part of the country you're in, or. Um, you know, if it's a show horse, what the, the risks may be to because they're at increased exposure to other horses. So we're looking at at diseases that any horse under any living conditions could get anywhere in the country because rabies. Hello, you can get that anywhere. Tetanus, that's yeah. in the soil, can get that anywhere. West Nile virus, as you say, has more recently become a core vaccine compared to some of the others because we're seeing it across the country and any horse can get it because it's insects and they go everywhere, as is encephalitis. Very interesting. Now, once you get beyond those core vaccines, you usually have a discussion with your healthcare practitioner about what risk-based vaccines your horse should have. Explain what a risk-based based vaccine means what what criterion are being used so that would be pertaining to your situation of what part of the country you're in if there's um the best example would be botulism we see botulism here in kentucky and in florida that can see it as well so if you're in an area where botulism occurs then 
adding botulism into your vaccine program would be a, an, an ad, added risk to the horses. And so it would be worthwhile to vaccinate for that because it's common enough. And when it does occur, it's, it's expensive to treat. So if we can avoid the horse contracting botulism, it's sure one I would recommend. Um, other ones would be there's there's a new lepto, leptospirosis vaccine, which is a uh, bacteria that can cause abortion, and and you know that's starting to be used to here in Kentucky because that we do see lepto abortions are one of the most common causes of abortion here. Or if you had um, a horse that say it went to a lot of horse shows and things like that, and you're in a boarding barn, and that's where you think about things like. Uh, added in uh, vaccination for strangles and flu and things like that because uh, those be communicable diseases and horses that travel and horses are under stress would be more likely to bring those back. So these are diseases that um, qual- your horse might qualify for one or the other depending upon uh, what type of living situation he's got, whether or not it's a barn where he's exposed to lots of horses coming in and out and lots of stress. Right, right, right. It really and, is how much um, that's something going to come in or they may spread. Or, and then how much traveling is doing where he's going to be the one traveling in and exposing others because we have to look at both sides. He he could bring something in as the one who has been exposed or be exposed to because I think a lot of people look at it as, well, I'm I'm going to not vaccinate for X, Y, or Z communicable, and that's a disease a horse can – transfer directly from horse to horse and doesn't need anybody in between because I'm very careful and my horse doesn't travel very much. He's not going to get anything and carry it to anyone. But I think the flip side of that that we often forget about is that um, your horse could pick something up and give it to someone and he could be exposed to something and bring it home. So it's it's both sides. You don't want your horse to get it from somebody else, but you also don't want your horse to un- unknowingly pick it up, yes, smaller chance, and give it to everybody else in the barn. So when you're looking at your vaccine, some, be, some um, boarding facilities require everyone to be on the same vaccination schedule. Others do your own thing. Does it Does it make more sense from the public health perspective to have a relatively closed population, say a boarding barn where the horses pretty much live there year round and go out to horse shows occasionally and on weekends and come right back. Would it make more sense for those animals all to be on the same schedule? It does for me because as you say, it, it, herd immunity is is important and and the thought the the concept of herd immunity is basically all those animals in that group have good immunity against we'll say flu and and so it's less likely that the flu gets in there that it's less likely that those horses will become sick and also the other thing you're hoping to be if horses do get sick that they're less likely to shed flu virus or they'll shed flu virus in in a lower amount because they've been previously vaccinated so you're right it it both helps to prevent something getting in there and getting started but if somebody does get sick you're hoping that what they share with the others will be in lesser amounts so there we go and the final the the final question i have 
for our discussion on core vaccines. Uh, Coggins test, what is it and why is it important? So a Coggins test, that's named after Dr. Leroy Coggins, who developed a test against equine infectious anemia, and that's a virus. And it's in the same family as the AIDS virus. And what this virus does is it gets into the horse, and when a horse is exposed, they'll usually run a fever, become anemic because the virus affects the red cells, also affects red cell production, and can cause death. Um, And the platelet count will usually drop as well, and their legs will swell. But what that virus does is it'll then, if the horse survives, which most of them do, it inserts itself into their DNA, which is how viruses replicate themselves, and it'll sit there. And it may sit there forever, but at some point, the horse will get stressed or the virus mutates. I think that virus does is it mutates. And when it pops back up and mutates, it's like the horse has never seen that virus before. And so that viral load will build up into the horse, and that's where it can be spread to other horses. And it's spread by biting insects. And it has to be large biting insects so because they have to be able to physically carry enough blood to infect another horse. So the the, the insects that do that are or horse flies or um, deer flies, which are in the same family. Or I think everybody knows about if you use a needle from one horse to go to another horse, that blood transfer, things like you know, surgical instruments or teeth floats and things like that that aren't disinfected can, can also be potential carriers. So the, the bad thing about EIA virus is there's no cure for it and infection is forever. So any horse that's infected, is usually going to be an asymptomatic carrier. The horse shows no uh, no overt signs, but when that virus mutates or if you get stressed potentially, then that horse can begin to shed the virus and infect other horses. So that's why it's so important. We, we don't have a cure for it. We don't have a vaccine for it. And most horses that have it, you can't tell they have it, but they're always a danger to infect other horses. And, you know, I, I've had that happen to me um, twice in my career where, uh, EIA virus has popped up once in a horse showing clinical signs that were unusual. A horse came in for neurologic disease. But in another case, folks had bought this pony and were bringing it home, brought it by the clinic to get a Coggins test before they brought it home, and it was an asymptomatic carrier. Oh, wow. That must have been devastating. Oh, it is because you have to go back. And once that happens, you have to go start going back where the horse came from and trace back to the herd. And then when the and that's a state veterinarian thing. And when they did that, they found another asymptomatic carrier there to farm. So, it um, you know, it's it's going to be a quarantine situation. And those horses, you know, they can't be in the population anymore. So they uh, they have to go to a research facility or they have to be put down. Wow. So EIA, which is what a Coggins test tests for, the Coggins test tests to see if your horse is carrying the virus. There is no such thing as a vaccine, so the only way to know if that stuff is around is to get the Coggins test, and you're doing it so that you can take asymptomatic horses out of the general population because they're the ones that are spreading it around. Right, right, because our only control that we have against that virus is to identify infected horses and take them out of the population. That's right. That's the only control we have. Well, there we go. So 
If you want to learn more about core vaccines, risk-based vaccines, and Coggins tests, you can find lots of really good information at the website of the American Association of Equine Practitioners. That's AAEP.org. And they actually have a section just for lay people. So stuff is written in words that we understand. And I will put a link on today's show notes page. And uh, you can follow that and head on over there and learn more about it. And thank you very much, Dr. Brian Waldridge. Where can people follow you on Facebook? They can find me at Dr. B's Bluegrass on Facebook. And um, I always appreciate it when when, uh, you put me on the show and people, I get to see new folks are logging on and uh, starting to like my page, hopefully. So everything's on there. Well, thank you to Jennifer and Dr. B for doing that segment. We appreciate it. You are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network. And I wanted to mention that tomorrow we have, I'm trying to think of what we have tomorrow. I be- Oh, it is a grooming episode. So tomorrow is the grooming episode. So it's look for that. Consult the calendar before you mention. <laughs> well, I, the problem coming. is this month, the Tuesdays and Thursdays don't match up. Uh, so they're different this month because of the way it fell. So yes, it is a grooming episode tomorrow. And then really bad ads on Friday. Get your ads in. Jamie and I will be here. So get your ads in for really bad ads. And it's looked like I am acquiring enough stuff to do a box of crap here pretty soon. So maybe it'll be a box of crap that we're doing. We're going to bring Justine on now from Heels Down Happy Hour. I actually recorded her show last night. Uh, they're still a lot of fun. And, what am I in uh, for this coming, what's coming that? episode? I said, what am I in for this upcoming oh, well, episode? Well, we'll find out. What Justine. are they going to make me buy now? <laughs> That's what I want to know with Heels Down. What am I shopping for next, Justine? Oh, my goodness. Well, you're going to have to wait till Friday to find out. Oh, good tease. Good tease. <laughs> <laughs> See, she's learning how to be a host. <laughs> Justine, how are things at Heels Down? Great. Um, It's been a very busy week for us at Heels Down. Uh, If you are a subscriber to the Heels Down Brief, our email newsletter, which I hope both of you are by now, um, we've been doing a really interesting campaign that's looking at all the different types of therapies that we use on our horses. And there are like a million and one, right? From electromagnetic waves to theraplates to different types of you know, fabric that have healing minerals in them. We do so many different things, right? So uh, we broke down five of the most used therapies that we know of um, and kind of explained why they work, what the science says, how you'd use them. So, you know, if you're a horse owner and you're considering something different, uh, I feel like it's easy to get lost in the internet when you're researching this type of stuff. So um, hopefully hopefully people have enjoyed it this week. Well, I know Jamie spends a lot of money on her horse health um, and veterinarians. So, uh, Jamie, have you ever done marine mud? Think- marine mud, if it has anything to do with the ungodly flooding that has been happening in Oklahoma, then yes, marine mud is smeared all over every one of my horses right now. Same thing? Oh my goodness. It's red. Does that make a difference? Uh, so I actually, it has this, like a name that the, the therapy name, and I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I think it's like Velocicarapy. I'm going to look it up. So, uh, But it's marine mud, so it ha- it's like algae and seawater essentially and uh, people use this mud that comes from the ocean 
infl- you know, anti-inflammatory properties. Um, it helps with like cooling muscles after a hard ride, uh, that kind of thing. Sort of okay. interesting. So like a, like a more fancy type of poultice. Gotcha. Now what I have used is the PEMF, which is pulse electromagnetic frequency, I think, and have seen some very yeah, good results good with, with that. that. Yeah. I did. And you know what else I used it on? They used it on me first, just so I could know what was going to happen to my horse. Oh my God. You guys know, I don't sleep very well at all. And I use the PEMF and I slept 12 hours at night. That never happened. Wow. So I was like, it wow. must be good. Yeah. So I, I had good results with that and Zeus did as well. Well, and the one you don't have on here is swimming. You did a lot of swimming with when you I were in Arizona. Did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was um actually not swimming. It was a um underwater treadmill. Well, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, called an aqua pacer. And so we did that a lot too, but that was mainly, that wasn't like physical, uh, that wasn't because of pain or anything. I did a lot of that because it's so bloody hot in Arizona and you just, my horses, the Mustangs that I had both were very sensitive to overheating. So I, that's why I started using, um, that is a good way to keep them fit for horse trials because the horse trials are in the middle of the summer up in Flagstaff. And so you can't get your horses fit in Arizona to go to Flagstaff where it's super cool unless you go up to Flagstaff and ride all the time. Long story short. Anyway, those are the things that I've used. What have you used that you like, Justine? Oh, did we lose her? I think we lost her. Oh, there she's back. Justine, I are said, you here? I Yep. Sorry about that. Okay. I am here. Sorry. Up, uh. <laughs> oh, she's fading in and out on us. That's yep. not good. Justine, no, you're no, going no. in and out on us. You must be in a bad spot. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I have used that they talked about is acupuncture. Holy cow. Have, have you seen... ever done that on yourself? No, but I want to so bad. Of course, my horses get all the fun acupuncture treatments, but I, uh, I have not ever used it. And it's super... Um, I've just seen it make huge differences in horses. Have you ever used it? Uh, no, I oh, no, we I haven't used it. Uh, j- actually, Doctor Wendy says I should, and you know that it actually is shown to help Lyme disease too. But I've never Ooh. had the guts to go get stuck with the needles. Jemmy, you ever been stuck with needles? Other than uh, um, not voluntarily. Ever, <laughs> other than a tattoo, that's it. <laughs> yeah, true. I did do that, and that was really painful, and I won't do that again. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, do I know you have? Do you have a tattoo? Maybe. Ooh, are we about to oh, play the yes, we tattoo didn't... guessing game? Yes, I know. We, this is news. I don't even know this. So another thing. Wait, um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. When did you get a tattoo? Her hip. Uh, I'd guess, uh, I'm guessing arm, arm, we would have seen it in pictures. Are we guessing, uh, Jamie has a tattoo Jamie, and none of us Jamie knew has... this. Oh, wow. What do you guess? What are we guessing? Uh, you said hip, Jemmy? Since I'd Justine is back, Justine. I'm going ankle. A lot of... <laughs> okay. I'm going, I'm going with back of the neck. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody said Long. forehead. Uh, so what, what uh, are you going to tell us or not? You're, you're all wrong. What is it? You're all wrong. This is a story for another day. Okay, but you got to at least tell us where it is. I'm sorry. I'm cutting in and out. I can't (laughs) hear you. Someone place a post on the auditor page. Let's start taking bets. Yeah, let's do a pool. (laughs) What is it and where is it? (laughs) So, Justine, are you back? Are you here? I am here. Okay, good. (laughs) 
Okay. What were so we talking about? We were about? talking about different therapies that horses can use. And I was asking which ones you have used. Yeah. So I'm, um, I, I am not like a fancy new, you know, jump on the latest fad. Oh, just but gonna, I, uh, I do use back on track. Am I not doing well? You're not no. doing well. You're coming in and out. I'm uh, sorry. I don't right. know what's the deal today. Yeah. Just a bad connection. Uh, but, Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. You can find Justine. Where can they find It's Heels Down Happy Hour? You uh, you can find that on any podcast player, of course, the Horse Radio Network app. And then it's Heels Down. Heels Down Mag. Heels. That is it. Heelsdownmag.com. <laughs> Thanks a bunch. Thanks, Justine. Thanks, Justine. Sorry about that. All right. Thank you. Bye. She- she mentioned back on track. I feel like my horses are walking advertisements for back on for track. For back on track. Like, I, you know, I used to be such a saddle pad collector. And thanks to um, Heels Down Happy Hour, my only saddle pad of choice is Eco Gold for for the my jump saddle and all my dressage saddle pads are the back on track pads. I have the quick wraps. I they you all wear back on track boots when they're working. And then they just had like these new cool boots that they've come out with that like have air holes in them for back on track. And I just bought those two. Uh, at Rolex <laughs> at Land Rover because that's where I spend my money is I save up all year and go to Land Rover and go crazy. And I have the back on track sheet, which provided me with my first saddle pad because it came free. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, uh, Jemmy and I had an experience over the weekend. We did our first trip for finding Florida using an RV. Um, there, there's this new service. Have you, are you familiar with how the boat clubs work? They have them all um, over the country. Do I know anything about boats? Are no. you seriously <laughs> asking me that right now? So the way it works is you just pay a, pay a couple thousand dollars up front and then so much a month, and you can take their boats out anytime you want. So you don't have to own the boats. They take care of the boats, and you take their boats out anytime. Well, they're trying that with RVs now. So the same company that does the boat clubs all over the country, Freedom, uh, Freedom Boat Club, is trying that with RVs. So you pay a certain amount up front and then so much a month and you can take the rvs out for a week at a time and then all you pay for is gas you don't have to worry about maintaining them paying insurance on them nothing so they wanted us to help promote this and uh they gave us <laughs> they gave us a 32 foot rv brand new like had five thousand miles on it uh to take out for four days and uh the, boy that's a way to go that is a it's a nice having your your bathroom and your kitchen with you while you're traveling around it is really nice. We had it's a good like time. It's like you just figured out right then why so many of us have living quarters horse trailers. <laughs> but that's but an RV is even better because you're in it while you're traveling. You're not you know you're actually in it. And uh, you don't have horses attached. You don't have horses attached too. Uh, so I don't know, Jimmy. What what now that you've had a couple days to think about it? How was your RV experience? My RV experience was interesting because, well, I must, I'm venturing a guess that Jordan and I had a better time in the back of the RV while you driving than horses do in the back of a trailer with you driving. (laughs) Much better time. But uh, it was great. You know, it was, it was super convenient to basically take your house with you everywhere you go. What did, you know, what did Jojo call it? He had a name for it. He said, he said, it's a home away from home inside a truck. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much describes it. (laughs) So it was nice to be able to come off the beach. Um, You know, we went to the beach without, we didn't expect to go in the water. So none of us had suits on. 
But it was nice to come back into the RV and just hop into our own shower, have a change of clothes right there. It was just, it was convenient, easy, and, you know, you wake up somewhere new every day. It was really cool. I liked it. I can see why people do RVs. I, I get the appeal. Um, yeah. you know, this was like a $100,000 RV, so it had all the bells and whistles. I mean, think about it this way. How many, how many times have you heard me complain multiple times about how crappy my neighbors can be? I mean, my last one was awful, but... But you're in an RV. If you hate your neighbor, guess what? Either just, wait an extra day, they're leaving, or you just leave and go somewhere else. It's the easiest thing. Ever. Although, so nice. ja- Jamie, you hear? I don't know if you ever knew anybody that sold everything and retired in an RV, just traveling around the country. You you know, once you buy the RV, you think, well, that's a pretty good deal. But let me tell you, gas ain't cheap in an RV. <laughs> you know, I mean, an RV is my my dad made us made us. My dad had the brilliant (laughs) idea of buying an RV when we were small children, six to nine years old-ish, and uh, made us drive around for an entire summer in the RV around the country. And then he did it the second summer because, I mean, he bought this monstrosity of an RV. He had to justify the expense. By God, you got to use it. (laughs) And then by the third summer, he's like, time to go. And we're like, no, you're not going. (laughs) Even my mother was like, I'm not doing that again. And it was, I mean, I have great, actually look back on it and I have great memories of it, but I think my, you know, my dad is the Clark Griswold of everything where everything he does, like I can you can't see just that, put actually. Christmas lights on it. We got to like <laughs> make the, the entire the whole thing glows. Glow. You can see it from space. <laughs> yeah, we got it. We're going to get an RV, but we're not going to do it for like a week. We're going to do it for like three months, you know, just <laughs> full force. We drove to. Wyoming and back, you know, like ridiculous <laughs> from Georgia. So anyway, there's a lot to be said about RVs. I think they can be really fun, um, but don't force people in them against their I will. think there's a certain point in your life, too, where it makes sense. I'm, yeah. I'm sure I think there are points in your life where it makes no sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. And you're right. Everybody has to be bought into that because it's still, I don't care how big the RV, this was pretty long and it still was pretty tight for three of us. You know? And there's a lot of packing I noticed with which is oh, with my horse yes. horse show stuff. Gosh, oh, yes. tight, but dang, do they know how to make the best use of space? There were cubby holes and little places to put things and store things, and it was you could have. How many people could we sleep in that thing? I think six or eight. It was insane. I, six wow. or eight. I think I would have shot myself after a week. I, I, I <laughs> yeah, you could fit six eight people, but you, have, you need another you RV father's staff. <laughs> I think you're gonna want them driving separately. And and of course, Jemmy's all happy about this because she didn't have to deal with the poop whole poops issue on the outside of the RV. That was me. Oh yeah, no, that so. was clearly your <laughs> side of the responsibility line. <laughs> and Which, I, hey, 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 I provided you a great assistant. Okay, My that's true. Jojo son, helped with that. He thought that was fascinating. Loved working with the poop. Okay, you have a kid his age. What is it with their fascination with everything poop related at that age? I don't know, but um, two two things. One is never poop in an RV. Just pull over. That's it's like rule number one. I mean, you, we went on Sugarland's bus. They were like, no pooping. I think of tanks. I'm like, I'm going to poop in the bus right now. Anyway, so that was rule number one. And it was the same rule in our living quarters trailer. It's just, if you got to do that, pull over. That's number one. Number two, we had a friend come home from Lucas's school yesterday. And they're both, one is six, and Lucas is six in a couple weeks, or next week. And I don't know why, but they would just say, poop 
and giggle. And then oh, the other oh, one yeah. would go poop and giggle. Like, I, I've never heard him say that. Just, why is it? Okay, Jojo makes Len. up songs okay. about poop. I mean, Len, there's it's literally a children's book called Everybody Poops. And it's just page after page after page of different animals pooping. Yes, I have that book. And you know what else we just got Um, when we were in Wyoming? We got a book called Whose Butt? And it's photographs. A photographer was like, you know, half the time I try to take a picture of an animal, it turns and runs. So I have all these pictures of animal butts. So you made a book out of it. And you have to guess whose butt it is. Oh, really? Oh, that's funny. (laughs) It's awesome. What what age does the poop thing go away? Because... How old are you? I was just going to say, how old are you? (laughs) Boys are weird. So anyway, you can look at that next Finding Florida episode coming out. We have our adventures uh, in the RV all recorded. Uh, so my brother is forty years old. Okay, and he decided that he was going to invent something called weigh your poop, and it's like a little scale that goes inside your toilet. Why? Like, what? Why would you want to do that? He's like, oh, my God, I could sell a billion. Of these. I don't need to Why? look at my poop long enough to get yes. the weight to even register. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Flush it down. <laughs> Just get rid of it. That's funny. Weigh my poop. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like some of the worst person would have been, actually. <laughs> I don't think he, Glenn, I don't think he's uh, he's put a... a thing on it so you can still steal i can steal that yeah there's no trademark on way my poop there's no trademark on way my poop joseph (laughs) joseph that's one thing missing on the flex and fork we don't have a scale uh to see how much the poop weighs no scale sorry see if that's a website yet nope it's not a website it's still open (laughs) is poop.com just a website by the way i just have to know that let's see i'm gonna get flagged um no poop.com is still available oh there you go how is that one not taken (laughs) oh the domain is bought it's probably just being sold for like 10 gajillion dollars (laughs) see how much it cost (laughs) this is called we're bored. Oh, yeah. poop.com is available for the low, low price of $435,294. Wow. wow. You got to have a profitable poopy business to buy that one. Wow. Credit cards are accepted. <laughs> oh, yeah. See that? Look at that. <laughs> All right. That's Glenn, it for what today. What did you learn today? What did Besides, I learn by today? The way, wait, a minute, wait a minute. The, I just had to say this. The header banner on what, behind where it says poop.com is listed for sale is this big mountain. And so it looks like it's just a big mountain of poop. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. What did I learn today? I learned, I learned today that poop.com is available for $435,294. I learned that all kids are into poop, apparently. it's not. Just, I wonder if girls are, too, if that's just a boy thing. It's a boy thing. The boy thing? Okay. Just checking. Um, I learned over the weekend that, and this goes to, applies to the two of you, I learned over the weekend that kids never stop. They go all the time. Yeah, they just are boundless energy. Uh, Today, I learned uh, how to get uh, get my pony off the trailer without him leaping in the air. Mm -hmm. I learned that. Uh, I learned learned that Friends of Ferdinand has OTTBs for adoption, and they're also makeover qualified, and they're a lot further along than my horse. And I learned that marine mud apparently is a thing, and I don't know why you couldn't just... Do you think that it's just mud scooped out of the back of New Jersey farm? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm going to start marketing the red mud. <laughs> yeah, Oklahoma mud. Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know why it's any different than 
this mud. This mud is okay. And then I sell it as that. Yeah, there you go. It, oh, that's perfect. There's marketing. Yep. Look at you thinking marketing. Jemmy, did you learn anything today? Were you paying attention at all? I learned that there is a new coffee table book I need to go out and buy all about animal butts. <laughs> <laughs> Whose butt is what it's called? <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> all right. We'll see you all tomorrow. It's uh, going to be grooming day tomorrow and with Leave Good. And then Friday, get your ads in to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. It seems like forever since we've done really bad ads, but get them into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. And then a programming note next Monday is a holiday, so we'll be dark on Monday. It's Memorial Day. It's one of those days that sneaks up on you unless you have somebody in school and then you're kind of thinking about it. But, um, that's oh, what's school's gonna... out tomorrow. Last day of school for Lucas tomorrow, Already? So. Already. What about JoJo? When's his last day? Um, Let's see. He's off on Monday. His last day's Friday. It's so next Friday. Oh, well, you guys are early. In Pennsylvania, we never got done to like the middle of June. Oh, Arizona's already done. So, huh. Well, you have Spain that to look Geld. forward to. Both of you. Spain, Neuter, Geld. Have a good day. There's going to be so much poop talk this summer. Can't wait. Go by poop.com.